And welcome on in to the latest edition of the Blue Horseshoe Podcast. He is George Bremer. I am Ryan Hickey. A chaotic day here in Coltsland as cut day does come down on Tuesday. Jonathan Taylor, clarity day, if you want to call it. That does happen, although I don't think we really got an answer. And the chaos continued. I apologize to all those who are looking forward to our live stream on YouTube. I'm an idiot. I messed up the, I don't know if you call them the YouTube rules, George, but maybe the, the protocols and how to go up and setting a multi-person live to just go really deep dive here. Uh, I overlooked that, so that's on me. I apologize now that we are just recording this at a normal time instead of having you join in. I promise we'll work on getting that so we can do more lives throughout what is going to be, George, I will say a um, not-so-calm, not-so-boring regular season. That, in part, was because today, Tuesday, the the D-Day, if you will, for Jonathan Taylor. Will he be traded? Will he stay? I wanted him to stay. You were predicting him traded. And I guess, George, we are meeting in the middle, is what we can call it. He was not traded, but a turn I didn't really at least personally see coming. He is remaining on Pup, and now will miss bare minimum the first four games of the season George, him stand, this this move, not getting traded, but now remaining on Pup. Where does that leave you right now? How do, If you are Chris Ballard, how are you feeling right now after today's actions or, or lack of moves you do hold on to uh, your all-pro running back? Yeah, I feel like, you know, if this was soccer, we'd just be in added time. We're still just – it's still the same half. We, we haven't moved the ball at all. Nothing's changed. I think that, that to me, is what's frustrating about today uh, and the fact that – I think in a lot of ways, this was the worst outcome for both parties because the Colts needed closure one way or another. Either Jonathan Taylor's not here, he's on another football team, or he's on the active roster and you're getting ready for week one. Uh, I think this is, you know, a limbo that that you don't really want to be in with him because it's clear that, that neither side has still changed their stance. We've been talking about that for a while here on the podcast that both sides are dug in, that no one's willing to give. And I think you just saw it play out in real time today. The Colts still want him to play this year on this last year of his rookie deal, and then they'll talk about things later. He still wants to be somewhere else. And now all you've done really is kick the can down the road. Now October 31st becomes a real deadline uh, because that's the NFL trade deadline. And after that, there is no other deal. Uh, But you know, what happens between now and then? So basically two months, what, two months and two days uh, to see if you can, in my mind, they must think there's some chance at reconciliation here, uh, but I can't see that happening unless they're willing to, to come to the bargaining table. So let me ask you, let's start right there with the October 31st deadline, because we thought on Tuesday, August 29th, that was supposed to be the deadline for Jonathan Taylor to find himself a trade and get out of Dodge or remain a cult for at least 2023. So this is my philosophy, George, or my, my thinking, looking at this. I don't see how he's going to get traded in season. He's starting the season on pup. We can discuss if he, if he's actually hurt or not. I mean, the fact that there was, he was, there's a chance he was traded today, probably signals he could have been ready to go and he's maybe not as hurt and wouldn't have been on pup if he actually was traded today to the Dolphins or wherever. But even still then, you're on pup now. You're coming off an injury where you had surgery. You have not practiced one time since or, or been on a football field uh, in an active role since December. Now you are going to miss at least bare minimum the first four games of the season. With the trade deadline being in Halloween, you then have at most four games to, again, not only show teams you're healthy, not only try to drum up another market, George, but I think also half of this what makes it, to me, impossible for a trade to go down is he not only has to play well to get his, his market back up, but also, he has to play well to get his contract extension now back on the table. And I just, 
for me, again, maybe I'm looking at this. I'm looking at this from the 31 teams. I, right now, going into the season, with everything going on and the uncertainty, I wouldn't trust right now trading for Jonathan Taylor from any of these 31 other teams, matching what the Colts want price-wise in terms of seemingly, reportedly, maybe the Colts suck to this, a first-round pick for Jonathan Taylor and paying him the money he wants to get paid. If a team, the Dolphins, were not ready to match it now, I don't see it. Then you go into the season with, again, most at most four games to show if you're ready to go. Um, I just don't see how he's going to get a better market or, or have more interest in October than he did right now in August. And like you said, at most four games, and realistically, it won't be. I mean, probably maximums three, and it's more likely to be one or two. And you talk about he hasn't been on the field with real football activity since December 17th, that, that comeback game against the Vikings. So that's already what going to be around eight months, uh, 10 months by the time you'd be making this trade. Uh, that just doesn't, that's not a good situation to be in, but it also doesn't scream to me that, that he's going to be ready to come off pup right away. Cause the one thing about pup, and it's one of the reasons that, that Shaquille Leonard was not on pup at this time last year is that when you are on the physically unable to perform list, you can't practice. So even if he comes to them on Monday of, of you know, next week and says, I'm feeling better and I want to get going, you know, out on the field, they legally cannot put him on the field. Now that's not going to happen, but the point is neither can another team. So even if the Colts wake up tomorrow and they say, you know what? Good night's sleep. That Dolphins deal is the best we're going to get. Let's trade him to Miami. He's in this first four games with Miami as well. And he can't practice there. And in that case, you're going to a new offense, uh, you know, with new coaches, everything around you, new teammates, and all you can do is is take mental reps from the sideline until, what, October, whatever the Monday is before October 8th. So, like, October 2nd, something like that. Um, that's, that's not ideal. And you're absolutely going to end up getting less compensation from an Indianapolis standpoint. I mean, I, I can't see if a trade happens on Halloween, it's going to be for less than it was now. So the Colts are going to have to be more willing than they were today to just kind of cut their losses. And from Jonathan Taylor's standpoint, you're less likely to get that contract extension that you want because, again, you're you're halfway through the year. Now, the one thing that changes this potentially, uh, because you know every year strange things happen, if there's a contender that loses a running back, you know, maybe they are a little bit more inclined to, to make a deal and, and get things done. Uh, but right now, you have to figure the chances of a deal happening on Halloween are lower than they were today. Uh, but again, with this saga – who knows what the next chapter holds. I would imagine, and this is, you know, we've been talking about the standoff between them for months now. I think the new positions now are basically the Colts saying, you know, we're going to call your bluff. Eventually you're going to have to play this year or you won't toll and you won't be a free agent in March. And you'll go through this all again in January. And I would assume if you're Jonathan Taylor, you're just sitting there thinking, I'm going to call your bluff and I'm going to not play before Halloween. And, you know, basically force you to get something for me instead of me just walking away at the end of the year. So not sure how this is going to end, um, but I think if, if today showed us anything, it's that the, the relationship between the two is, is still, you know, abysmal. From Chris Ballard's perspective, I think you're right. You're not going to get a better offer for the most part in uh, October than you would now in August. So again, if you are, and he clearly did, we don't know what the offers were, but clearly he stood his ground in the sense that I I'm not going to take 
whatever you're throwing me, the garbage that's there, I'm going to stay true to what I want. If you don't match it, no deal. We saw that happen on Tuesday. If you're Chris Bowd, you can now all of a sudden say in season, seven games in, oh, you want to give me a third-round pick? Yeah, yeah, that's fine. Let's do it, and, and let's, you know, move off and get Jonathan Taylor out of here. You clearly stood on your ground. I think you have to stand on your ground, too, in October. Whether he wants to make this ugly or not, that's the path I think also Chris Bauer chose on Tuesday was, I'm digging my heels in, and even if a trade, you want to get traded again before the October 31st deadline, you have to match the price bare minimum, and you cannot take less. That's the one thing I'll say for Chris Bauer. You have to stand strong now. I know it's a, a basically a staring contest. You cannot blink. You absolutely cannot blink. I think him, him, it makes him look bad as a GM. Uh, if you now trade Jonathan Taylor for a third or fourth round pick in October, when you probably had a better offer on your table uh, on August 29th. I think that would be the likelihood, right? I mean, we don't know what the offers were today. There's been a bunch of things out there about what was and, and wasn't, you know, offered. We don't even know if there was a mystery team or not. We know that there's a reported mystery team. I know that Adam Schefter said two teams made offers. I think Ian Rappaport kind of confirmed that. So you assume there was another team out there. Uh, we assume, and then that's all we have right now is assumptions. We can assume that no one offered a first-round pick. We don't know what was offered. But, I mean, just supply and demand tells you that the offers don't go up two months from now. Then that's what – Look, we've been talking about this a lot, but that's what I don't understand, George, from Jonathan Taylor's perspective. He wants to play hardball. He's frustrated. He clearly wants to get paid. Well, this was, if anything, this was an eye-opening experience to show you no one's paying you right now. And so I think the best way for you to get out of Dodge, if you will, or get the money you want from Indianapolis is by playing this year. And I don't see how going on Pup, and especially if he's not hurt and basically staging a hold into so it, doesn't get fined and miss game checks, but still he's healthy enough to play, but just doesn't want to play. I don't see how that benefits him. Because even if it's four games, George, you're going to see at the end of the year, whether it's the Colts or another team, they're going to have that, you know, even if it doesn't, even if it doesn't prevent a contract extension from happening where he still gets extended, I bet you those four games he misses along with last year knock the money down a little bit. You know, lessen or whatever might, his top offer is. Like, I think it's going to lessen it a little bit. It might. And then that's the risk that he's taking. It also, I think, shows you how angry he is at this team right now. Uh, one of the many unknowns that, that, that are out there, which is basically everything at this point. I mean, we really don't have a lot of details. We have a lot of speculation. We have a lot of innuendo. We don't have a lot of concrete facts right now in this situation. One of the unknowns is, you know, were these teams, the Dolphins and the mystery team, willing to match his terms? Were they going to pay him a contract he would accept? Every indication I have right now is yes, at least Miami was. So I guess if you're Jonathan Taylor, you're feeling okay from that standpoint, and it's probably fueling the anger now because I think he probably feels like he should be in Miami right now or wherever the mystery city was uh, and not and have his money in hand. And that's part of why he's saying, I'm not going to go out there and risk things. You know, I keep going back to that Marlon Mack injury. And I still think that's a big part of this in Jonathan Taylor's world. That, that when he was a rookie, Marlon Mack goes out there the first half against the Jaguars, the same thing that team they're playing in, in week one, and tears his Achilles tendon, and he's done for that season. He ends up coming back to the Colts on a really cheap deal the next year. Uh, had the most polite and cordial trade demand I've ever seen. We even got him... The week he made the demand, he talked to us in the media room. 
uh, and it didn't happen. They again, they didn't get what they wanted there, and then he goes off and and never really gets that free agent contract he was looking for. Has bounced around the league. He was in Arizona this summer, tours Achilles again, which is just horrible, and is out again for the season. But if you're Jonathan Taylor and you're looking at that, and you were a rookie coming in, and, and the same promises were being made to Marlon Mack at that time. Hey, just come in. Help Jonathan Taylor develop, get this rookie. We'll have a great year together. And then you can go and make riches and free agency and, and we all win. You watch what happened and you've seen Marlon Mack play just 14 games. And I know they still talk. I mean, Taylor has said many times over, over his three seasons here in Indy that he's still close with Marlon Mack. He still talks to him, even though he's not been in the building. How how comfortable are you, you know, going out there and playing on your rookie deal? knowing that that an injury could could you know cost you everything he's in a bad spot either way because everything you just said is absolutely true he's probably lowered his money you know he's lowered his market uh, and and sitting out a month is is not going to help that but at the same time i think he's just nuclear angry right now because he feels like he had the opportunity to get that big deal uh and to, to start over somewhere else and the colts prevented it colts did nothing wrong if the Colts, it's up to the Colts to set this price. And if nobody met the Colts price, hey, if we know it in the media, then they know it in, in front offices around the league too. And so Miami's at fault in that regard too. If if you tell me that you're going to sell your PlayStation for $500 and I offer you $300, i am not getting it. You know, and that's what Miami did. So I don't think anybody here, or at least it looks like that's what Miami did. So, you know, I don't think anybody wins here. The Dolphins don't win. The mystery team doesn't win. The Colts certainly don't win. And I don't think Jonathan Taylor wins. If so, you mentioned before that the Dolphins, according to reports, right? Like they felt comfortable, at least contract wise, to give JT. They would have felt comfortable, hey, we would have got a contract extension done if we traded for him. And it was more about the draft compensation, the player compensation, whatever. That was the bigger issue than the actual contract extension. Well, if you're clear, that's every indication. Right, 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 right. We're not pointing that as factful, right? Everything out there, and there's a lot out there, indicates, like I said, it's more about the uh, draft capital than it was um, the contract extension, the dollars, if you will. Well, if you're Chris Ballard, George, why don't you, maybe he didn't, and Jonathan Taylor said no, I doubt it, but again, why don't you just take that offer and say, okay, here, JT, let's just, I'm just pulling the numbers. Three years, $50 million. I mean, I'm sure Chris Ballard had some sort of idea of what Miami's ready to offer, the Colts have a lot of cap space, George. We talked about this, and this is part of what's so frustrating. They have the money to spend now when so many guys um, are still on rookie deals and, and cheaper deals. You are not hamstrung salary cap bars. You just can't afford right now the best player on offense to pay him. Why don't you just take that framework of a deal and take it for yourself? Basically, have the Dolphins do the work for you, steal the offer, and present it to JT in front of him. Because today, too, George, the frustrating part about JT starting on Pup for the Colts' perspective is my whole philosophy of not trading Jonathan Taylor was his value to developing Anthony Richardson in his rookie year especially. Making his life easier, making defenses think about, oh, how do we stop right now one of the best running backs in the NFL and make life easier for the receivers, for the tight ends, and obviously for Richardson himself. And guess what? That's that's not happening when he's on Pup and not playing. So you're not really doing yourself any favors or any making the team any better, or making Richardson's development any better by having Jonathan Taylor on pup. Is there any chance do you think George? And maybe we'll find this out on Wednesday. And Chris Ballard does mute the media. Um, 
that it, that they at least made another actually I should say another made a contract offer. Yeah, another is not the right word there. No, um, they're not making a first one is is part of why we're here, screaming uh, where we're at right now today. But I mean, it's what Baltimore did, right? At the end of the day, that's what that's what the Ravens did with Lamar Jackson. We were all talking about it when Lamar was on the trade market that this might just be them trying to to get somebody else to do the job for him, and it looks like that's what happened. You know, I don't and know if they really took somebody else's his offer completely, but they certainly got into the ballpark and they were able to, to re-sign him and get it done. So you'd have to think that that's at least crossed the Colts' mind. The question I've always had here, though, and, and we don't have an answer to, and maybe we will get this answer tomorrow night uh, when, when Chris Ballard talks, do the Colts want to sign Jonathan Taylor to a long-term contract? Because their actions so far to me don't speak like a team that does want to do that. You didn't make an offer to him in March. That's not speculation. That's straight from the owner's mouth. He has said that. Uh, and and then you basically held a gun to his head and said, well, play this year, and then we'll see whether or not we want to franchise tag you and, and go through this process at the end of the year. That, to me, is not a team that wants to keep this guy around for three or four years. You know, So I think that's part of this question, too. Do they really want to keep him for three or four years? If they do, they've got the cap space. I think they should absolutely go to him now and say, hey, this has been a terrible stretch. It's not been good for you. It's not been good for us. Let's let bygones be bygones. We'll give you the offer that Miami was going to sign you to. You'll get paid. We'll get the running back we need to help our young quarterback develop, and we all move forward. But again, the unknown there is, are the Colts even willing to do that? This is what I don't get, George. And maybe that's a bigger question, right? Like, do they want him actually long? Do they actually want him? I would assume yes. I would say common sense, you would at least assume, hey, he's the best offensive player you have. You wouldn't want to give him up, even though he's at a position that, again, is being devalued right in front of our eyes. But let's say you are right. And maybe they say, you know what, at the end of the day, do we really want to pay or or have right now, you know, a, a running back tie up a big part of our salary cap? I'll say tie up in air quotes again, because you're not paying a lot of people big time money. But even like with how this is obviously transgressed, George, Bare minimum, if you don't want to sign him to a contract extension, you should have traded them, traded them on Tuesday. But bare minimum, give him a contract. Like, what's the worst that happens if you give him a contract extension? He signs it, and then in a year or two, you say, ah, screw it, we second thoughts, I mean, you trade him. It happened with Christian McCaffrey. The highest paid yeah. running back in the NFL just last year went for a two, three, four, and a five. In part because the contract is already done and the 49ers didn't have to worry about that. If you sign Jonathan Taylor to an extension, George, even if when you signed him that day, you thought he won't be here more than a year, it still makes trading him easier. And you could argue you get more back in a trade by getting the contract out of the way than having or or forcing teams to both give up something and then also figure out how to sign him. No, Absolutely. There's no scenario where this makes sense. No, it's absolutely. I mean, that's one of the many ways they bungled this. You said way back, I want to say way back in March before the draft, that you didn't care about signing a running back to a big deal because the running backs' big deals are not that big. They're not as big as like the quarterbacks and they're not as big as the receivers. And there's not a lot of guaranteed money on there. So you can walk away from them. And we've seen that happen again and again. We saw it happen twice this year with Ezekiel Elliott and with Dalvin Cook. So, yeah, I think from day one, it's been the best course of action to work with him in good faith, sign him to a deal, 
and then evaluate everything they've been talking about evaluating, how he fits in Shane Sykin's offense and how healthy he is. Because if you end up wanting to trade him later, he's got more value with that deal in hand. And even if you sit down and say, you know what, you're not there health-wise where we want you to be, you're not there, or the fit in the system is not what we what we thought it would be, you can release him. You know, most of these deals do not have a big back end. That, that's just been the way it is. We've seen it happen again and again. Um, it, it's why I question whether or not they really, you know, was the plan all along, play out this year, play a franchise tag next year, and walk. That's been the history with this team. Draft a guy, whether it was Marshall Falk, whether it's Ezra and James, play out that rookie contract, play a franchise tag, go elsewhere. Let me ask you this, because now as we turn attention to October 31st, I'm going to give you three options here. I'd like you to rank them in order from most likely to least likely. Option number one, Jonathan Taylor does not get a contract extension, and he plays for the Colts this year at some point. Option two, the Colts give him an extension at some point this year, and he plays. Option three, he's traded by October 31st. What do you think right now is most likely? What do you think is least likely out of those three options? If you want time, I can I can go first if you like. I can solve for you. I mean, I feel like, first of all, I've done so well predicting this the, the whole way through. <laughs> so let, let, let's just put that out there first and foremost. Uh, but secondly, I logic, and again, I don't know if logic applies because we we're, we're obviously you know in a, in a different world the last 18 months around here. Logic tells me that the the most likely outcome is that he doesn't get an extension. He plays at some point this year because we just talked about the the trade market's going down. Uh, it's not it's not going to be better in October than it was today. Uh, so, and unless Chris Ballard's going to budge on on what he's willing to take back in return, which you know there's a lot of factors that could change that. I mean, what if Zach Moss comes out and looks like an All Pro running back, and now all of a sudden you say, yeah, you know, we'll just move on. I, I don't know. And this is unlikely too, but, you know, we've seen some strange things happen around here. Uh, I still think the most likely of those outcomes is that at some point Halloween passes and Taylor has to make a decision about sitting on Pup literally the entire year and not having his contract toll and not being a free agent in March or at least coming out and playing the final six games, which is what he has to do to accrue a season. I think if it gets to that point, I think he will choose to play. but. You know, we'll see. We'll see how that goes. I, I think of all the outcomes, that's probably the most likely. I think the trade is the second most likely, simply because the Colts have not shown much indication to come to the table here, to offer him a new deal. And so maybe you get to October 31st and there's a deal on the table that looks a lot better than it did now. Either someone has increased their, their offer, which is unlikely, or the Colts have just decided, you know what, we tried for two months. We cannot fix this. We're just going to cut bait and, and move on. Uh, I, that's why I think it's second. And then I think the least likely is that he gets the extension uh, simply because the Colts have not to this point indicated that that's something that they want to do. Now, maybe not trading him today is the first indication that's something they want to do. That's part of the unknown here. Maybe the fact that they did not deal him anywhere is an indication that they want to sit down with him and they want to have contract talks and they want to mend these fences uh, but right now, there's no indication that that's the case. The more we talk, George, like this has been, a, 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 I will say, a decent or a very good therapy session so far just because I'm, I'm trying to work through it myself. And the frustrations, like part of my frustration today, George, honestly, is just trying to figure out like what is the direction? What are they trying to accomplish? 
Because you're right. You can look at not trading him saying, well, maybe the Colts want to keep him. And maybe, like you said, try to reconcile. And now, bare minimum, you give yourself two months of, hey, we'll talk to him. Maybe we'll work out a contract extension. Maybe we'll go back on our word. Um, maybe we'll see how he plays with Anthony Richardson. But again, now we're in your own pup. That doesn't happen. And then you have a report out there from Mike Chappell, who's now saying that, according to a source that he knows, the Colts maybe could consider a suspension of Jonathan Taylor because they feel like he's not actually hurt and now is using Pup as a way to hold in. And so, again, it's like, if this is going to get that much uglier, George, I hate to say it, then you should have just traded him on Tuesday. Like, I like if... if uh, pick a link. Go back and look at the previous pods. That's where I was, and that's why I was. I, I all along have, have acknowledged how good of a player Jonathan Taylor is. I think anybody knows that he's an outstanding football player and this is a better football team with him on the field. But the reason all along, I thought that a deal would get done and should get done this afternoon was this kind of ugliness, this, the keeping this going, keeping the circus in town, letting this roll through even the next four weeks, the next eight weeks, however long it takes to find some resolution to this. uh, It's just not worth it. Unless again, Unless the end game from the Colts is our stance has changed and we're going to the table now. We're going to talk. And honestly, I don't see how that's possible after, again, seeing all this play out. I wish that happens. Again, I would still have a team on this team and playing, but it's just one of those things where it does not seem like that is anywhere near the possible direction that this is going to go. And it's just, it, it's so frustrating. It, it truly is, George, because again, this should be about, we talked about it, it should be about Anthony Richardson, should be about trying to develop him. And now, in a way, you screwed yourself by, again, it, you are at least now removing and forcing, basically, the removal by your own actions, the best player in offense. And now, I mean, he's going to have to play this year, right? I think it's, he's going to have to play. and But still, misses half the year, what is that? What good does that do? That's the thing is, you know, I, I think he's going to have to play. I just, the, there's so many unknowns here. I keep saying that. But one of them is just how mad is he? We know he was mad enough to stay on pup today. You know, we know that that they couldn't reach an agreement for him to to be ready to go week one. And we know he was mad enough to basically throw away the first month of the season, no matter where he plays. Uh, Is he mad enough to just out of spite, not play the entire season? Le'Veon Bell did it a couple of years ago. You know, it's, it's happened before. It's a little bit different situation because I think he was not signing the franchise tag uh, and holding out that way. But you know, obviously the franchise tag isn't in play, but it's clear that that Taylor does not want the franchise tag. That's not something he wants in the future. So, you know, could he do the math in his head and say, you know, being right back here next year is no worse for me than than being in, facing the franchise tag? I don't know what his his mindset is right now. All I know is right now neither one of them have won. Neither one of them are taking steps towards winning. If if Taylor ends up by Halloween on another team with a new contract, then he absolutely wins and hats off to him. He played this well and, you know, he can move forward with, with his fresh start with a new franchise. I think the only way the Colts win is if Taylor's not only here past Halloween, but there's, he's got a signed contract and he's going to be here for the foreseeable future. Is that even a win though, at that point? Like, I, I guess he's locked up, but again, like he's missing Bare minimum four games. You're probably right where he's going to miss another one or two after that just because the fact that he's not been on a practice field. He's not been in any sort of football activity. He's not done any football activity since December. So you're probably right. Like, he's not 
not practicing, then all of a sudden going to one week of practice after missing 10 months and then coming right out of the gate and running for 180 yards. So it's like, even if that happened, George, even if you're right, and let's just say September 21st rolls around, all of a sudden, boom, contract extension reached between the Colts and Jonathan Taylor. It's still, again, not, not, not that I'm saying the contract itself is not worth it, but like all this drama is still not worth it because you no, got what true. you want. But you 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 still again are hurting your your rookie quarterback early on and creating so many unnecessary headaches for you and for everyone else. We could have done this in March, in June, in July, in August, and we could have been fine and again going on about our business, caring about the season. Yeah, it's a win for the Colts in the sense that I think it's the best possible outcome. I shouldn't really yes. say a win. No, I know Definitely you're right. Right, uh, because it, it's not worth the cost that it, that it would take to get there. But I think anything other than that they're going to probably incur the wrath of fans. I don't know. There's a lot of fans out there that are mad at Jonathan Taylor right now and just want to see him gone. But I still think that if, if they come back in on Halloween and trade him for a fourth round pick, I think more of the fan base is going to be upset with that than, than feel like that was a good move, uh, you know, on the Colts part. So I really feel, or even if you, he plays six games this year and then leaves next year for nothing or is traded after signing the franchise tag and, and there's some kind of deal there, you know, I don't know. I think probably in the Colts mind, you're probably thinking, Hey, if we franchise him, I think the non-exclusive tag, uh, you've got to give him a first round pick for him. Um, you know, maybe they're thinking that's why the first round pick is, is the charge that, that, that they've thrown out there because that's going to be the bare minimum if they franchise him next year. Uh, but if you're Jonathan Taylor, he's made it clear. He does not want to play under those terms. He doesn't want to play knowing that, the only thing guaranteed to him is is this year's four point three million, and then the franchise tag next year. We can argue whether or not he should feel that way, but I think it's pretty obvious he does. I don't think that offer to him is going to be enough to, to change his mind between now and Halloween. This is going to be an obvious question, but I guess we can end this 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 today's conversation about Jonathan Taylor with this. I mean, it's obvious, George. Is there any other team right now that's more dysfunctional than the Colts? No, I mean, the Cardinals might be worse on the field. We'll see. That that remains to be seen. Um, do you have a third-string quarterback starting for him, which is not a great sign. But I wouldn't say they're as dysfunctional. I mean, I, we said back in February, I think maybe earlier than that, that, that you know, the main goal here was to put last year behind, to bury it somewhere deep in the ground, never mention it again, never think of it again, certainly never have a reminder of it. There were some steps forward with what I thought was a good head coaching hire. There's a quarterback here who's got a lot of promise for a lot of different reasons and should be the topic of this this pod right now, but isn't because of the craziness that's going on. Uh, but since literally since training camp started, you know, hours after they reported and Jonathan Taylor went on pub, the circus has been back in town. And by now, I think it's a three ring circus again. We got the trapeze artists out, the, 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 the <laughs> full full show is on the elephants the tigers in the cage the jugglers they're all out tightrope walkers which Colts have been now i guess doing that for a while and and following the high wire act with how bad they've managed yeah yeah well yeah a lot of casualties otherwise um okay um other news it was cut day george we can kind of bounce around some of these quickly here um biggest surprise darius rush getting cut yeah, I mean, I think he's the biggest name 
on that list. I think Jalen Jones beat him out. I think I may not have just been him, but I think ultimately uh, Jalen Jones beat him out. I think a lot of that has to do with the fact that Jones set himself up as a pretty good gunner. You know, he went out there after Ashton Doolin got hurt and showed what he could do. Uh, and I think they feel like that element of his game is enough to keep him around. Uh, it be interesting to see if Rush gets claimed off waivers or if he comes back on the practice squad. Uh, you know, that that's probably a 50-50 proposition at this point. That one is frustrating just because I know he's late to the position in terms of, you know, making the switch at South Carolina, but had the size. I know, again, injuries also kind of limited his ability at training camp. That was one where I was really hoping, especially for this year, with guys competing in the, in the you know, this year basically being a trial for everyone, that definitely was someone I like to see. I think he still has a lot of talent uh, for the little we saw. Um, that was definitely, I said, by far the most surprising. Remember, we just did our, our roster cut uh, preview pod. And it's like we didn't, the biggest name we talked about on defense was Titus Leo, just because is he going to make it on the defensive line? Because we felt more of the bigger questions on defense are who's going to start, not who's going to make the roster. Speaking of Titus Leo, he is on IR, George. He's out for the year. Another surprise that goes to are probably the biggest surprise in the sense of what designations they were given. But out of nowhere now, again, two draft picks of the Colts are now not going to be contributors, bare minimum, in 2023. Yeah, but you're talking about day three picks. So, I mean, those are true. You know, it, true. always a different, a different evaluation there. And I think, you know, Rush had some good moments. He also had some bad moments. I think Jones played him. I mean, if you go back through the training camp tape and the preseason tape, I think Rush had the biggest moment because he had that pick six in Buffalo. And I think that's probably what a lot of people are clinging to. But I think if you look at snap to snap, I think Jones outplayed him. Uh, and and deserves this spot. I mean, Jalen Jones is a great story, and I think that's part of this too. He's seventh round pick, uh, was a really highly rated high school player in Texas. Uh, went to Texas A and M, and and really just didn't pan out. Didn't really he had some good good numbers there and some good seasons, but never quite got to where you know he wanted to be and where people thought he would be. And he's come in here with an opportunity and seized it. So I think you know uh, he deserves a lot of credit for for coming out and and making the most of this opportunity. Uh, and Darius Rush, we'll see. You know, I think you still do want to see more from him. There's definitely talent there. There's definitely potential there. Uh, and it'll be interesting to see if they can bring him back to practice squad and keep developing in that way. I hope so. I hope they get lucky and he kind of falls through. Um, that's definitely obviously something to watch here uh, coming out in the next few days, George. Offensively, you nailed it. Nailed on the head in terms of wide receivers. When I asked you who your fifth uh, wide receiver was, you said eventual waiver claim. And you see how the Colts, uh, in terms of constructing their roster on Tuesday, four wide receivers, Michael Pittman Jr., Alec Pierce, uh, Josh Downs, Isaiah McKenzie, no wide receiver five, Mike Strawn waved, uh, Mari Rogers waved, Juwan Winfrey waved. That screams right now, waiver claims some point coming. Someone else's wide receiver is going to be on this team. No one in campus is going to make it. Yeah, I mean, I hope so because four wide receivers seems a little bit Seems a little bit scary going into week one. I hope they have the uh, the star from uh, Mario Kart, if that's the case. Like, the one that allows you for invincible <laughs> health. Because otherwise, like, there's no backups, basically. Outside of Josh Downs and uh, Isaiah McKenzie, you got no backups uh, receiver. If they do have the star, you know, they, they got to have the music, too. They got to play that. Yes. There is, there is one thing there, too, that, you know, I, I'm still getting used to the new rules. I mean, with the practice squad call-ups, you could bring up a fifth guy. I mean, Winfrey or Rogers, whoever, Strawn, you know, whoever ends up on the practice squad could get called up for the game. So they do have options if there's nobody on the waiver wire that really strikes their fancy. But you got to believe that, that that's at least 
a goal going, you know, to, to watch and, and see uh, how these cuts shake out and, and grab a new wide receiver. Awesome. And can they use a star in Jonathan Taylor's ankle? I mean, really see if he's actually injured or not. Maybe, you know, they don't on the field. Imagine if they don't have the star, because you would think that that would have been done. Who knows? They definitely you, didn't have it in 2019 for Andrew Luck. No. <laughs> Or 2017. That's for sure. That, that star, that that star is maybe you know what, George? That's a thing they need. It's not a player, it's not a running back. They need the freaking star from Mario Kart. That's what this team needs. They need invincibility. There's no question about that. God, they need the one thing money cannot buy. At least right now. I don't know. It's 2040, 2050, 2060. We all could be living until infinity. Who knows? I'll be 95 in 2060. That'll be an interesting season. Would you want to live forever? Um, actually, I'll be 85 in 2060. I'm aging myself. Here. Yeah, come on. Give yourself some um, credit. I don't know. I got a 10 year old daughter. I'd like to see her grow up at least. Is that fair? Yeah, that's fair. I think I would like to. I do have a fear of dying, to be honest. A fear of watching bad football and a fear of dying. So I think I would, I would like some invincibility for the most part. Until well, one, like One of those, I hope you're okay with. The other one, I don't like your chances. Yeah, I would agree. Uh, although, uh, you know, if my teams, especially the Colts here, start keep keep acting the other acting, I don't think I want to be around for forever to watch this uh, on loop every single year. That is uh, that is for sure. So one of us, maybe someone will find the Mario Kart star to help this team out, especially a receiver, especially at running back. But until then, George, I guess we now are, are where we are. Um, tight ends, all five so far have made the roster. Would you? I would be surprised if all five are still on the roster come week one. Would you agree with that or no? And if there's a waiver claim at receiver, you you kind of figure the tight end's the one that that goes, you know. But we'll see. Um, five's a lot, but teams have done that, you know, before. The Colts really haven't done it before. Uh, normally, though, you would think there'd be four running backs if that's the case. There's only three running backs. It's an interesting roster, you know, in terms of construction right now. Uh, maybe it's a sign that you said. I think it was the first week of camp. You said, man, there's a lot of jumbo packages out there. Is this something that they're going to do, you know, regularly in the season? Maybe five tight ends is a sign that the answer to that question is yes. Old school football, George, with Zach Moss, Evan Hall, and Anthony Richardson. Bring back the, the wing tee. Bring it back. Veer. I mean, I, Richardson will probably be an absolutely phenomenal VR quarterback, but it might not be the best, best playing in today's NFL. I mean, look at right now, Michigan in the Big Ten. They built, to their credit, they built a style of, of toughness and power football that Ohio State, that Penn State, then, I mean, Wisconsin is now going the other way, going to more spread options. Yeah. They're the only team built to beat them. They're, to Michigan's credit, they're zigging when everyone else is zagging. Maybe that's what Shane Sykin has up his sleeve. Jumbo, jumbo, jumbo. Get literally the biggest, most imposing 10 guys in front of Richardson, I guess maybe eight Eight guys, Richardson, like two running backs, and just run the ball down their throat. You say Evan Hall fits that mold. There's no question about that. You talk about throwback. You know, he yeah. reminds me of throwback. I think he'll go in there and mix it up. I don't think he's got any any issues with that. No, yeah, he's a tough kid. He's a, a tough dude so far. You're right. And when Zach Moss comes back too, another big body running back that's just gonna lay the hammer down. That sucks. Maybe that's what we got, George. Maybe we got old school Army, Navy, Veer, power football where the games will be going by fast because they're going to run 50 plays and they're all going to be on the ground and they're going to be chipped the clock. That's that's the way to do it. Good for me on deadline. There are one o'clock games too. So <laughs> I'm here for it. No late nights. No late nights. All right, let's finish up really fast here with this, George. 
So Chris Ballard, and we're going to have a, a pod after on Thursday morning when Chris Ballard, he's going to meet with the media on Wednesday afternoon, late Wednesday afternoon, George. Can we, ex- like, what can we expect? Like, especially as you'll be in the room, like, are we going to expect some sort of answer on Jonathan Taylor on, on what the trade was out there? Like if you're, I guess maybe I'll ask it, maybe flip it on the other way instead of what will be asked. What could Chris Ballard say? Like what, what can he say that will have Colts fans feeling at least good about keeping Jonathan Taylor and now seeing Jonathan Taylor basically being forced in his own mind to go to the extreme and start to set out games. Sort of like announcing a contract extension. I don't know what he can say that that will actually be, seen as, as a positive in the eyes of the fan base uh, because I think a lot of people right now just want to know either why he wasn't traded or why he's still on pup. Right. I mean, you want those, one of those two should not be the case. So uh, he's usually not good with details. Like he's not going to come out and obviously, you know, just here's exactly what Miami offered. Right. Here's the mystery. Here's exactly what they offered. Uh, but I think he will, he usually will answer the question that's asked. So I think, you know, we should find out whether a first round pick was really what their base is or something along those lines. Uh, and he might even go as far as saying, you know, that that was not met. Uh, I imagine he will say without getting specific that, that they, you know, that their price was not met. Uh, but to me, I think the overriding question here is what is the plan going forward? You know, kind of what the pod's been all about today. What's the next step in the cold eyes? Are they going to go to the negotiating table? Do they want Jonathan Taylor long-term? Are they going to sit down and talk with him and, and try to figure that that piece out? And if not, what is the next step in their eyes? Do they really think he's going to play this year on this rookie contract and play on a franchise tag next year and leave and, and you know, live happily ever after? Or is there, you know, as you've been talking about, is there a chance of bumping salary this year? Is there Are there going to be some all of – branches presented somewhere you know along this process if i was chris ballard here is my plan not going forward right now that we are in the situation we're at here he's not traded and he's on pup this is my this to me would be the best case scenario for this year he's on pup the colts talk to him they give they double his salary they give him some sort of extra money this year this year only do again We've seen with a lot of other running backs right now when their teams have been, when they've been frustrated with their contract situations, you bump up the 4.3 million to whatever, six, eight, 10. To me, the, the money's rough. Whatever you, whatever you want to do, give him some extra money. Cause look, if he is willing to sit on pup, Jonathan may be willing to mail in this year. Again, I think that's a mistake. I think he's getting bad advice, but even though he's on the field, it's one of those lights are on, no one's home sort of thing, and he just is, is going through the motions. That does not benefit the Colts. Does that benefit and uh, benefit Anthony Richardson? I don't think it's going to benefit him, but also he might just be in this fit of rage. He's not seeing sure he's seeing red. I think maybe even getting some bad advice from his agent, and that could be, again, doing the illogical thing that I thought where the Colts had, no matter what, okay, he's going to play hard because he has to. That's how he's going to get a better deal. Maybe he says, screw it, and mails it in. You can't have that. So give him some money now to at least make 2023 worth it. Revisit, you know, he plays well. And then in the offseason, either you sign to an extension or you trade him. And you use that draft capital to get immediately. So at least you can get Jonathan Taylor helping out Richardson this year. And for the most part, caring. And then if you do end up trading him, George, you would think if he runs well and plays well, you could get close to a first-round pick probably better than maybe an offer you're getting right now. And then you could use that pick immediately in April 
to address and get some sort of weapon for Anthony Richardson to use, and you're not sitting on it, you know, sitting on that asset all year long on a first or second round pick without Richardson getting the benefit of using that player on the field for a full year. What is your and what do you think of that plan? Was your best case scenario for this year at this point? Like, where do the Colts go from here? You're my like, how do you mend this fence? Is that if that's even possible? Yeah, I I think you've got to go back to the, to the bargaining table. And like you said, if that's just to bump up this year's number, uh, or if it's the promise he won't be franchise tagged, whatever whatever you got to do, or you know, or the pipe dream of getting that long term deal done. I think you got to go back to the table. You got to sit down with him. You got to work for something that works for both parties. Uh, so that he can, you know, play out as much of this season as possible with Anthony Richardson. And then, like you said, in January, you can reassess a lot of this because I do think it's a different, it's a different market there. Every team will not have gone through their offseason plans already. You know, there might be more teams interested if, if you're starting the season with Jonathan Taylor than there were right now. Uh, and you can use that capital, as you said, immediately. You can make that trade in January or February. Uh, and turn around and, and reap the rewards in, in April, uh, which is a lot easier to do than than sitting this whole year out. So I just know no matter what the outcome is, whether whether it's money, whether it's promises, whatever it takes, now that the trade hasn't happened, uh, to me, they've just got to find a way to, to, to build a bridge here, whatever it takes. And I know, go back to that Saturday, you know, the last preseason game, and that's what Jim Mercy said. They're going to do whatever it takes – to calm the waters. Well, now is the time to do that uh, because it, it, I don't see any benefit for anyone involved, Jonathan Taylor or the Colts. If things continue, you know, status quo continues on through the rest of the season. And I hope the Colts recognize that. And I hope Jonathan Taylor recognizes that compromise. Like you just said, I think is really the only way to make this work at, at any point in 2023 and I don't know what it's going to take. I don't know if it's sitting down. I don't know if it's regular. I mean, John Taylor may win here, George, because you know what? Week one could come and go. The Colts could get 20 rushing yards, look like crap. Jim Irsay, we know as a fan, could panic and say, you know what? Maybe we need JT more than we thought. We're seeing kind of, you know, in Kansas City, Chris Jones almost seemingly begging the Chiefs to play games without him to show him how much he's worth. Maybe that's what Jonathan Taylor needs to do here. And maybe you're right. I guess that's because when you said go back to the bargaining table, and even when I just said it before, I'm trying to think how does that happen? Like if the Colts were so staunchly against it before, how does that happen? That's the way it happens, right? Is that the only way that now Jim Irsay will will probably be more willing to give him a contract extension now than he was before in the offseason is seeing the first game or two look like crap, seeing your rookie quarterback struggle and being like, wow, I got to change something here. The best thing in, in Taylor's case in that is that two of those first three games against the Jaguars and, and the Ravens, who are definitely capable of of causing some havoc in the backfield and, and making things look bad out there. Uh, and I think that is probably what Jonathan Taylor's banking on. In addition to being mad and just not wanting to play here anymore, probably banking on the idea of, hey, you know what? See what life is without me. But that goes both ways. You know, what if Anthony Richardson comes out and rushes for 150 yards throws for 200 and the offense looks really good. You know, it may not be the most likely outcome, but that's the NFL. That's what makes it the greatest reality show on earth. You know, you don't know what's going to happen. And I think there's risk here for both parties. I think that's something that's not acknowledged enough. You know, I don't think either either side can sit here and just bank on things going their way until the trade deadline. 
That's why I think they need to get back to the table. They need to have open, honest conversations, get down to the heart of this. These are all smart people involved in here. They're all good people. You know, my experiences with them, these are all good people involved here. Find a way to make it work. I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to confirm here. Psyche was in LA when Melvin Gordon uh, held out, right? He probably would have been, yeah. I so it's so. like, yeah, the head coach witnessing right there, like you said, the, the risk for the other side of, hey, look, if the offense is looking good. Zach Moss or Evan Hall steps in all of a sudden now, Deion Jackson, the offense is rushing fine without you, Jonathan Taylor. You lost money. You lost money not from the Colts, but also from anyone else trading for you or signing you. And they see the Colts run game, if that's the case, running fine without you. So like I said, Melvin Gordon witnessed that. Held out, came back. Austin Eckler basically took his job, and he never financially recovered or never even kind of got his footing in the league again. So you're 100% right. Both sides are, are taking a big risk. I don't say both sides are standing pat, but both sides are now digging in. Colts didn't trade him. Jonathan Taylor is now on pup. Is he hurt or not? Probably not. And so now he's, they're both making a stand, George, and this is only continuing to get uglier. You nailed it. You nailed it. And I tweeted so, the energizer bunny earlier today. That's that's the only thought in my mind. Still going. Oh boy. Wednesday, George should be interesting. Chris Ballard's press conference to hear what he has to say, if he's truthful at all. Any any insights gonna be very fascinating to see how he spins this going forward here to make it seem like things will be all well. You'll be there. We'll report back on Thursday morning, kind of still digest this and start to look ahead to the Colts regular season as we are inching closer and closer. To almost hard to remember that. Oh yeah. By the way, the regular season starts in less than two weeks with all this JT drama going 24 seven, but here we are, George gear up Thursday should be a very interesting pod to say the least. Make sure you subscribe and download to the blue Horseshoe podcast, wherever you do get your pods, make sure you do check us out as well on YouTube, blue horseshoe pod, George, enjoy the press conference on Wednesday. We'll talk to you on Thursday, right here on the blue horseshoe pod.